Welcome to A Better Way with Crossroads Bible Church, a podcast about finding the activity of God in our stories and discovering how Jesus is building His kingdom among us, right here, right now. The goal is to inspire you to see and celebrate God's activity in your own life, too. And now your host, Sherry Hutspeth. Today I'm here with Britt Owsley. Recently, Britt was one of our teachers on Sunday morning, and we thought interviewing him here would be a great way to get to know him better. Welcome, Britt. Thank you. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) So nice to have you. Um, One of the things that might get talked about a little bit later in this conversation, but I wanted to acknowledge uh, up front, is that when I expressed interest in this idea, uh, Britt was one of the people that sat down um, at a table with me and considered together like what the questions would be and what we were hoping for with all that so it's pretty fun to get to interview you now. yeah it's, it's kind of funny being on this end of it now because of how much thought has gone into creating this and helping you be successful interviewing mm-hmm. others now I'm the one that gets it so yeah cool cool okay let's start with our first question which is how would you describe your spiritual heritage so spiritual for heritage for me, is Crossroads Bible Church. Yep. Uh, my parents started attending here when I was one and a half. Wow. So this is my earliest memory of church. Uh, I was actually at the, the older building, farther mm-hmm. down 407. I remember the move here, building the building. That was all exciting. And so I've I've been around since um, ever. And, uh, you know, there's been a, a lot of change, a lot of growth, and a lot of things have happened. But this is, this is my spiritual heritage. So um, I've had... I'll get into it a little bit later. I've been a regular member of one other church, and that was while I was in college living in Waco. And so both are non-denominational. So I've uh, been part of the non-denominational, very focused on the Bible, very focused on grace, very focused on uh, loving God kind of as a local body. Um, the local body being the most important part um, kind of thing. That's that's kind of been my heritage. That's uh, So I've I've had friends in all kinds of you know, Methodists to Catholics to Eastern Orthodox to Presbyterians, but this is kind of my home here. Yeah, very cool. We're so glad that that's true and that you're still here with us. Um, so when you were exploring the second question, which is, you know, when did your faith in Christ first become significant to you, you found that that question didn't quite fit you. Right. So for a lot of people, the question is, what's your faith story? What's your heritage? What what background did you come out of? And then was there a time when Christ became important to your life? But growing up here, uh, he's always been important to me. And so I, I, I remember specifically, I was about four years old when my mom explained the gospel. Mm. She explained that Jesus wanted to be my friend, that he was God, he created everything, uh, that my sin actually required that I needed to die. Mm. But Jesus died for me, mm. and then he came back to life. So if I want to be friends with him and I want him to forgive me, that's just something I need to ask for, yeah. and then he'll become my friend. And so I did, and he's been my friend since then. And it was so it was so childlike and so simple, and it's grown since then, but it's never substantially changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when looking at that question we, we talked a little bit earlier about, I really thought of that question more in terms of there's only been a couple times when faith was not important rather mm-hmm. than when did it become important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything you want to share about that? Yeah, so... Um, Really, the one notable time in my life when it wasn't important was uh, 
when I was getting into high school. So a little bit of uh, before that, when I was in elementary school, my sister passed away. Um, a lot of people who've been at the church a long time are familiar with the story. And, uh, you know, my everyone kind of, that's a to me such a classic example of the way the church gets together to love people, the way my parents were supported, the way I was supported. And at the same time, I was an elementary schooler. So grieving looked like being an elementary school student figuring that out. And something I've learned recently that I think is so helpful looking back is that when a child experiences loss, there is a need for them to grieve at each of the stages of their growth. Mm -hmm. And so for me, there were just different times when the grief would come back and I almost felt guilty about it Mm -hmm. uh, because I thought I already kind of dealt with this. But, you know, as I was aging, as I was growing, uh, middle school, high school, grief looked different. And there was a period in high school where essentially um, it kind of came to a head of I'm, I'm feeling so condemned for needing to grieve again something that I was dealing with the fact that, you know, if she passed away, isn't that God's will? Why would I be sad that God's mm-hmm. will was done? Yeah. Not really understanding how those things come together. Combined with the fact that I realized I was not extending grace to other people. And I realized in elementary school, especially middle school, I was a very judgmental person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't extending grace to others the way I was coming very well aware of how I needed it myself. Mm -hmm. And rather than dealing with all of that, I just put it on a shelf and said, Faith, I'll I'll deal with that later. And Faith kind of became less important to me for the first couple years of high school, simply because I didn't want to deal with Mm -hmm. that whole ball. Right. And it really wasn't until I started getting more involved in the youth group here. At the time, Brent McKinney was the youth pastor. Uh, I feel like I've learned so much from him, but it was just in the process of being invited in and and being around believers again in a more consistent way in the youth group Mm -hmm. that I started to sort some of those things out again and and faith kind of became what it was and this important thing in my life that I feel like guided me and this friendship with Jesus that was so important to me. Yeah. Well, before we go into um, the last two questions, we thought it would be a good idea for you to share a little bit about like your journey from like leaving high school and going off and coming back yeah. again to Crossroads. So can you catch us up on that time period? Yeah. So just, it's, uh, I, I graduated, um, did the senior speeches and everything like leaving Crossroads in high school was very difficult for me because I had just so much connection. That youth group experience was very deep and I loved this church, uh, but it was time to leave mm-hmm. and it was time to move. And so I moved down to Waco, I went to Baylor, uh, just loved it there. Uh, I studied ancient languages, I made so many friends, and I got it plugged in at another non-denominational church with a lot of the same values. Mm-hmm. So when people would explain, like, you know, what, what kind of drew you to this church as opposed to the others, because Waco has some, like, so many churches, and they're all trying to, you know, bring people in and get them plugged into community. But the thing that stood out, at Crossroads, I would say, the three things that I learned most importantly was the value of the Bible, excuse me, the value of the Bible, the value of missions, and the value of worship. And I feel like those three things I found at this church and just fell in love with it there too. Fell in love with the way that they spoke about missions, the way they spoke about the Bible, and the way they invited people in to worship the Mm. living God. Mm. So um, I was there for a while, studied Baylor, graduated, uh, did a discipleship program there that was about nine months long. And during that discerned that I should go to seminary. So okay. then I started at Dallas Theological Seminary, doing it online while I lived in Waco. 
did that for two years until essentially the degree required that I spend more time on campus. Okay. At uh, that point, as I was discussing options and figuring out life, uh, do I move to an apartment, all these things, my parents said, we really would love if you moved back home. It had been seven years, uh, good quality time. It's like, when in the rest of my life will I get to live with my parents? So they wanted that time. So they asked me to come home. Uh, then I had been living with them for the last two years as I finished up my degree, finished my degree in December when I was hired on staff here and got a new apartment in January. It actually got flooded because of that oh. winter storm, so <laughs> had to move out. <laughs> Started over on a new apartment and I've uh, been been working here and, and loving it. So that's kind of and, crossroads to crossroads. <laughs> right, right. And your role here now that you've stepped into a position at Crossroads is? Uh, so we've decided to call me the Connections Director. Okay. Um, so some of what Mike Messerly used to do, some of what Chris Dickey used to do, there's just uh, a number of little holes in, in when, particularly when uh, Chris Dickey resigned, that was like, okay, we need someone that can cover what she was covering, as well as some of these places that haven't really had um, covering in the past, particularly around small groups and around assimilation, yeah. or just basically uh, helping visitors get more plugged in. So I'm the connections director. I'm going to help people get connected to small groups yes. and help small groups connect to the whole body. Right. So important. Okay, so these uh, last two questions that we want to spend some time on. Um, yeah, what are you noticing about your relationship with the Lord? Like, what's going on right now with Jesus? So, uh, it's so interesting. We talked about this a little bit. That I feel like question three, there's a, a number of things I could touch on. But then how does that pull us into question four? So, mm-hmm. the, the one that I kind of spent some time thinking about, actually at our silent retreat that we had a couple of weeks ago at this point, um, one thing that I really feel like the Lord was highlighting to talk about was this desire that I'd been having. Uh, so going back to when I was in college, um, really just was coming alive in my faith in a new way at that church down there. Um, and part of that's just because, you know, when you're in college, you're learning things, you're experiencing things, and people are just, oh, everyone's excited about everything all the time. <laughs> right. But there was this thing that really just kind of captured my heart. Um, and so in John 4, which is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, um, after the whole conversation with the woman at the well, which I absolutely love, mm-hmm. but we don't have time to talk about mm-hmm. right now, uh, the disciples come up to him and, and basically try to give Jesus food. And he says, I have food to eat that you don't know about. And they're confused. So then he clarifies. And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And... That verse has stood out to me, particularly as in terms of like my food, my nourishment, like doing the work of God, seeing what the Father's doing and accompanying him in it is like nourishing to my soul. Mm-hmm. It gives me a drive and an energy that's so much more than just hyper enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And so that became a really important marked part of my journey in college. And at some point, I just realized that wasn't really there as much. And so um, in my Life with God group, we were talking about desires. We were talking about, you know, just what's going on in our heart. Are there things that we want to ask God for? We want to ask God about and just discern what he's saying, what he wants to do. And I just really feel like he was highlighting this desire and how that yearning Mm -hmm. uh, to be nourished that way by God's goodness, by joining in God's goodness, that was kind of missing. Yeah. And I was just hungry for it. And so um, I feel like the the answer to question three is essentially that he's kind of 
been revealing to me he's bringing it back he's mm-hmm. he's showing me new ways to be nourished mm-hmm. in that way yeah so uh you know i've been i've been visiting different small groups i've been leading a small group i'm in this life with god group and so in all those contexts of community there's just a lot of opportunity to need to be patient uh-huh. <laughs> need to be loving need to be encouraging when maybe you don't feel like it mm-hmm. but then there's there's this this piece that's been coming up of of when i'm get to be patient listening to someone that you know maybe i don't really feel like listening to but i actually get to practice patience show that i can love this person there's there's been this renewed feeling of i delight to do this i i it actually feels like i'm being nourished by god mm-hmm. as i am extending patience to this person so when someone asks me some question i love when people ask me theological questions um but if if someone you know is telling a telling a story and they're asking a question and maybe i've already answered that question before or whatever. it's like whatever yeah i can be patient i can be kind i can be loving and it's like as christians we're always wanting to do these things mm-hmm. but there's something special right now about the way that he's made me feel so full mm-hmm as I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like to be nourished is to feel strong and energetic and able. Uh, and I, it's so, I love that the Lord is bringing these kinds of words to you and making mm. you aware of the difference. Like um, yesterday when we were talking about this a little bit, you were talking about like the outward expression of it. Like, you know, there was willingness to do these things right. before. And you would participate in that, but the the idea of it coming from nourishment that um, is just a different experience of God being in the middle of it with you. Yeah. So uh, a recent experience of this, uh, uh, recently someone there was a situation where someone was very upset, mm. basically, and there were a group of about four of us with this person, and they're just openly sobbing, mm. like laying on the ground, and there was just this moment where I thought. This is kind of awkward. This is kind of weird. You know, I'm, I almost had this, this like, this would be an example of where I would feel maybe impatient or annoyed or something where it's like, it's not exactly appropriate that you're mourning the way that you are right here. But none of that really, it's almost like I just kind of brushed that aside. Yeah. And I just thought of Job's friends, Hmm. how Job's friends, um, as, as much as they get a bad rap for trying to figure out why he's wrong, whatever, (laughs) what they did right at first is that they sat with him for seven days without saying anything. Right. And they didn't say anything until Job started talking. Mm. So at first, you know, people talk about the phrase, the ministry of presence. Yeah. And there was just this, like, I felt so delighted mm. in the opportunity to be patient, mm. to sit with this person and some other people for an hour while this person is mourning. And we're just there to love him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I felt close to the father, like he was nourishing my soul as I was here to be a comfort to this person mm-hmm. and it was so beautiful mm-hmm. and it was like i don't know a year ago i would have been willing to do that but i wouldn't so i would have felt angst about it felt awkward about it and i would have needed to practice patience a little more almost white knuckled right as opposed to like oh this is a delight i get to be the presence of comfort for this person and god is coming and being present through me in that right. it's like that's just so delightful right and I mean, it's obviously internally, you know, that's a very different experience when you right. imagine what that's doing for someone else, for you to be internally different. Is there anything about like imagining what that does for the other person that's kind of capturing your imagination? 
Well, I guess uh, to imagine that, I also just think about when people are practicing patience towards me or, or being kind or generous or these different things that the Spirit is doing in us to help us love one another. Mm-hmm. I can tell when people are doing it because they know it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I can tell when people are doing it because they really love me and they really are in the... It's like they're receiving love from God and enablement and grace to love me. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a there's another almost flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's warmer. Yeah, it's, it, and it's so subtle. But it's the thing that we humans are able to kind of pick up in each other. What's you know, how does this person really feel as they're doing this thing? And so I'm, my hope is that you know, as I'm starting to experience more of this nourishment, it's it's the good work Jesus is doing. Like mm-hmm. the woman at the well, she felt so loved and known and hopeful because the Messiah was there to love her, and. I, I, my hope is that, you know, in these tiny ways that I get to be patient with someone or I get to answer a question or I get to, you know, go out of my way and maybe waste some of my time to help them, Mm -hmm. uh, be a little generous here or there, that they're feeling that, that it's more than just, this is the, this is the right thing for a Christian to do, but it's like, Hey, actually I can feel the father's love for you right now and how he delights in you and he delights in me getting to love you this way. Yeah. Well, I can tell you as a member of this body, it is so delightful to think about the Lord inspiring staff members to in this way, like to be mm-hmm. living out of overflow and the sense of God empowering you in a delightful way to serve all of us. Uh, I mean... What, what can the Lord do with that to make people like really love and care for one another? And, and how does that end up overflowing into, you know, the next relationship, the next conversation that you're sure. in, you know, after you've been with a staff person. So I so appreciate you being willing to share this experience that you're having with all of us. Well, I'm glad to be able to share it. <laughs> well, and to everybody that's listening, you know, part of what we're hoping for is that as you listen to these stories, like what word or phrase or piece of a story feels just so relevant to you and how can you spend time with the Lord discovering why that's standing out to you and what he's inviting you into that is living out a better way so uh, we hope you've enjoyed this time that you've spent with us today